We do feel your pain on this uh, January 29th. By the way, this is the first day you could put your taxes in. That'll make you feel also better painful. after. Yes, that'll make <laughs> you feel better after the Lions loss. Uh, but we're here to commiserate with you, get your day started, hopefully off on the right foot in spite of the disappointment and the, the morning over. The end, the premature end to what was still a great season. And as we said, the great reality check here is that there are three American families who had the worst news of all uh, over the weekend that in a, a, uh, a drone strike in Jordan that was backed by Iran, uh, three American service people lost their lives. 34 were wounded. Eight had to be evacuated. And this is the 159th attack on our troops in the Middle East thus far. President Biden has been very obsessed about being proportional and has been worried about escalation. And yet what has happened, the very escalation that he is concerned about has landed on his doorstep. He is promising to decisive action. We'll see what that brings. But what should it be, given the fact that up until now, whatever he has done has so far been ineffective? Peter Meyer is a former U.S. congressman in Michigan's 3rd District an Afghan vet, now candidate for the U.S. Senate for the Republican Party. Peter Meyer, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. Uh, give us a sense of, I mean, we knew that this was inevitable, that at some point Americans were going to lose their lives because we continue to permit these strikes. What should the next step be? Yeah, I mean, as you said, I mean, these over 150 strikes have occurred. Uh, our response has been quite minimal. I mean, these strikes have been one-way kamikaze drones. They've been artillery, um, rockets, it, nothing we're not used to in that area. But obviously, the scale of this has continued to increase, and our response has been, you know, an occasional strike on a storage facility or some mid-level leadership, right? Nothing to significantly deter, just enough to say, hey, we're going to do something, but it's obviously something that um, the Iranian-backed militants who attacked American forces are able to easily withstand. And, and I'm a big believer in the Chicago way, at least when it comes to response. You know, they pull a knife, you pull a gun, they send one of yours to the hospital, you send one of theirs to the morgue. And I think that's how you actually deter, isn't this... Uh, minuscule excuse making it is you know actually going after the threat now what that should be um there are there's an iranian surveillance ship that's been monitoring the houthis and providing support in the red sea uh, i mean we have ways of of deterring without escalating into a full-on conflict uh, but what's very clear is that if we just continue to go after the middlemen, we just continue to go after some of these proxies uh, who are in Syria, who are in Iraq, uh, all that does is it's strained Iraqi-U.S. Uh, relations with the government in Baghdad. Uh, and obviously it has done absolutely nothing uh, to stop things. So I, we need to see something significant uh, that, could, that doesn't necessarily need to be airstrikes. I mean, we have other tools at our disposal. Uh, but if I were to guess, I would assume uh, there, you would just see a similar type of response we've seen in the past, but maybe on a slightly larger scale. Uh, and I fear that it's going to do nothing to get us out of the spiral of just continuing threats on American service members' lives. Um, and, and Peter, the war between Israel and, and Hamas, uh, the president didn't want it to escalate. He said, I didn't want to escalate, so I didn't want to you know, do too much, but now it has. So how much of this is on his hands, the blood on his hands? Well, I, I think 
I think that the, the folks who are attacking us are using uh, the war in Gaza as an excuse. Uh, I mean, these are groups that have attacked us in the past. They were attacking us when, when I was in Iraq almost uh, you know, 14 years ago, uh, and they've been attacking us pretty consistently, uh, especially after the conclusion of a lot of the conflict against ISIS, when those Iranian-backed militants in the U.S. were on the same side. You know, and then obviously it's shifted more into that political struggle. I mean, uh, but when it comes to the blame that I put on Biden's feet, I mean, he is the commander in chief, the buck stops with him. Mm-hmm. And if he has clearly signaled at every stage that the U.S. does not want this to escalate. And there's there's a way you can signal that that says we mean business. Mm-hmm. And there's a way you can signal that that says, hey, guys, come and take a shot. You know, we will we want to get out of this. We want to avoid something. You know, we're coming from that ultimate position of uh, of having a, folks be able to call our bluff. Right? I mean, this is why you need if, if your enemy thinks and knows that you will only respond in a rational, logical, smart way, uh, then they know that if they can poke you, but you can only punch back that a poke will never get a punch, and so you're going to get poked to death. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we're seeing here is that our enemies are able to exploit their asymmetric advantage on tactics. They're able to exploit the fact that they blend in and we don't, uh, and they were able to exploit the fact that, hey, if they at least keep it under a low ebb, they can pen in U.S. forces, prevent us from doing our job in the Middle East of countering a lot of the extremist groups um, without, frankly, without much uh, – you know, damage to their own forces. And that that is what has to stop. Right. And Peter, the blood really is on Iran's hands. So do you go after the extremist groups or Iran directly? And, and that's that is the thorniest question. I mean, do you do you directly launch attacks on Iranian soil? The U.S. has been extremely hesitant to do that. Even Donald Trump, the if you recall the strike on Qasem Soleimani, the uh, uh, leader of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps, uh, I mean, that was an aggressive move, but they didn't strike him in Iran. They waited until he was cocky enough uh, to fly and make a big show of it through Baghdad. Uh, and that's when a Hellfire missile hit him. So I think it is that is going to be the ultimate question for this administration. I, I think when it comes to an escalation that could spiral out of control versus the type of escalation that says, knock this off, we are not afraid to do things you don't think we will do. That's a question I don't know we have the answer to right now. Uh, Peter, uh, what you hope will be your future colleagues say they've got a tough border bill to confront the other vulnerability this nation has on its southern border. Uh, They claim it will be the toughest border bill yet. And yet House Republicans are already calling it DOA, even though we have nothing in text yet. Uh, It is there is short on details. We also know that the the former president uh, says that a bad bill is is uh, not better than no bill at all, that no bill would be better. Um, are we allowing political concerns to erode what could be at least incremental progress? I mean, you could say that there's incremental progress, as you pointed out. We haven't seen a text. I have, none of us have any idea what's in this thing, which frankly leads me to believe that the amount of rumors about what's in here it could be true, that could not be true, uh, but they haven't been backed up by any actual truthful statements from supporters except for, hey, you know, trust us, this thing's great. And, and while there's a lot of room for just reforming the asylum process and, um, and those, those areas are important, 
you know, the fundamental core reality of the problem we're facing on the border is this has to do with rhetoric from the Biden administration and the failure to uphold existing statutes in the Immigration and Naturalization Act of 1965. That's the key thing. We don't need more legislation. The laws are all there. And there is an incredible amount of power vested in the executive branch to do more, including remain in Mexico. Precisely. And this is this is my fundamental problem is Biden creates a problem and then says, hey, if we're going to solve this, you guys need to give me something for it. I mean, it's a form of hostage taking. I'm I'm usually very open-minded when it comes to, hey, let's try to work together, find this issue. The reality is so much of the solution exists within the pen of the president as it stands, and the idea that there should be concessions for him to do his job and uphold the law, to me, is is offensive. Peter Meyer, we always appreciate you uh, coming in and, and sharing your insights with us. We know that your heart breaks for your military brothers and sisters that uh, suffered three catastrophic losses uh, over the weekend. Thank you. No, worst loss of life since August 2021 at Abbey Gate in Kabul. Uh, it's a tragedy. It, it, Thank you it, all. It is indeed, and we'll hope for that decisive action that the president keeps promising. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Time for Ion Engineering, brought to you by Tajan Automotive Technologies, the formula for better mobility. It's Tajan. A tire that can detect low air pressure and even detached wheels without sensors? That's the sensing core system that Sumitomo Rubber was showing off at the Consumer Electronics Show. David Johansson, Sumitomo's Vice President of Technology, said the system uses the company's knowledge of tire dynamics and takes advantage of electronic control units and controller area networks on the vehicle to crunch data. Conditions are sampled every 20 milliseconds, and the system can distinguish between tire wear and poor road conditions. Johansson said fleet managers would appreciate the system's ability to sense maintenance needs before that need becomes a roadside tow truck event. And though it's not a problem here, in countries that drive on the left, the system could help detect impending wheel detachment, a problem created by the crown of the road and braking forces. For SAE International, I'm Chris Klotz, and that's an eye on engineering.